0: Well, good morning. It is great to see you here today. It's great to be back. Jody and I were gone last Sunday, and uh, we missed you guys. So uh, what a delight to be here. Uh, I know that you could be a lot of different places on a holiday weekend, and the fact that you chose to be in God's house, uh, well, I commend you for that. Uh, I want to thank you for that, and I, I am honored to be here. I'm honored to serve as your pastor, and I am proud to be an American. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to take, honestly, just a few moments this morning, and I want to talk to you about this thing of one nation under God. Peter wrote this in, uh, in 1 Peter chapter 2. He says, but you are a chosen generation. You're a chosen people. Talks about the fact that we are a, a chosen generation of a royal priesthood, a, a holy nation... A people belonging to God or, or a peculiar people that, that we might show forth the praises to whom we have been called in his glorious praise. Father, we, we thank you today that we are indeed a, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We thank you this morning that we can declare citizenship. Not just of this great land, but that we can declare citizenship of something far greater still. We ask in these moments that you would, that you would speak to us. That you would challenge us and change us. That you would mold us and make us. We, we commit it to you in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Well, Jody and I—we had the opportunity to to travel this past week, and, and I had this experience that I've had a, a number of different times, and and that is this: I, I had the opportunity to to have that experience of of being on foreign soil, and then and then stepping back into the United States of America, and, and I will tell you, it it doesn't matter where you go, it, it doesn't matter where travels take you. There's there's something profound that happens. There's something very settling that happens when you, when you step back onto American soil. You can almost you can just you can breathe just a little bit easier. And, and not just when you step back on American soil, but but even when, when you're traveling and you find yourself in a foreign land and you see stars and stripes unfurled in the breeze whether it's whether it's displayed outside a hotel or or whether it's whether it's signifying the location of the American consulate the American embassy there's there's just something about it that is very comforting there's something about it that's very soothing to know that is what I am connected to that is my homeland these are my people." And, and, and this power of, of connection. I think it's something that it's very easy for many of us to take for granted because we were born into citizenship. It, it wasn't something that we that we strived for. It wasn't something that we earned. We were we were born into it. But for, for, for most of us somewhere down the line one of our forefathers had to make this oath. It's the citizenship oath. And it says this, I hereby declare on oath that I absolutely and entirely renounce and abjure all allegiance and fidelity to any foreign prince, potentate, state, or sovereignty of whom or which I have heretofore been a citizen, that I will support and defend the constitution and laws of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that I will bear arms on behalf of the United States when required by the law. That I will perform non combatant service in the armed forces of the United States when required by the law, that I will perform work of national importance under civil direction when required by the law, and that I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of of evasion. So help me God. This is the citizenship oath. It is not something that is taken into lightly. In fact, When you begin the process of becoming a citizen of the United States of America, this oath does not come as a surprise to you. It's given to you at the beginning of the process. And it's very important. There's a test to which you have to prove that you have a firm understanding of the history and the heritage of this great land. That you have a knowledge and an appreciation of our laws and our governance that you have an understanding of what the constitution means and so this is not an oath that you can take ignorantly it's not an oath that you can take lightly it's an oath that comes with great significance I will tell you, friends, I am convinced of this, that it is a great thing that anyone who wishes to be a citizen of this great land, that they have to declare this oath. In fact, I think it's unfortunate that we all, whether we are citizenship by proclaiming this oath or citizenship because we were born in this great land, I think it's unfortunate that we all do not at some point make this oath. Because there's something significant about a declaration, isn't there? I've, I've, I've said a few oaths in my life. Very few. I recently had to say an oath when I served as a juror for the first time. And hopefully for the last time. I have, I have many times I've, I've pledged allegiance to the flag. I... I said an oath when this ring was slipped on my finger. And I said an oath when I became a citizen, not just of this great land, but of a far greater I could make this declaration, I could say this, I hereby declare on oath that I absolutely and entirely renounce and abjure all allegiance and fidelity to any foreign prince, potentate, state, or sovereignty. What I can't declare is that I renounce and abjure, which means to repudiate any sovereignty. Because while I can repudiate any foreign sovereignty, there is that one that is sovereign that dwells among us God, our Heavenly Father. And to Him I offer the oath of highest allegiance. And, friend, to that great kingdom, you cannot be born into. It is a declaration that you must make. It is a statement that you must embrace. It is a decision and an opportunity that is given to you individually. And it is one that should be made intently. It's not something that should be taken lightly. And and, and this is what I love. I love the fact that we are indeed a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Why? That we may declare the praises of him who has called us out of darkness and into his marvelous, into his wonderful light. One nation under God. One nation under God. God. I, I so appreciated the fact that Lester challenged us, challenged us with that statement during worship. One nation under God. What, what does that mean? And, 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 and how do we how do we get there? One nation under God, what, what, is it, what does that require? Well, it, it requires first that, that that acknowledgement, that that appreciation that God chose us. That, that God said, I choose you. That's what Jesus declared in John 14 when he said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Before the foundation of the world, God chose us. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to become like him, the word of God declares. And so we we are chosen by God. And given this opportunity to have citizenship in his kingdom. It's not something that we deserve. It's not something that we earned. But it's an opportunity that that God has, has given us. But make no mistake. Freedom always has a cost. Freedom always has a cost. And that's the reason why we, we have to understand and appreciate that it's not just the acknowledgement of, of who we are. It's not just acknowledging our identity in God, our, 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 our kinship with Christ. It's also, it's, it's embracing or, or adhering to this to this call that he has placed upon us. Adhering to this godly call, right? We're not just a chosen people, we're, we're not just a holy nation, but we're also, the word of God declares, we're a royal priesthood. And, and, and this, this issue, issue of citizenship, there are wonderful rights that come along with it. I, I love the rights that I have of a, as a citizen of the United States of America, but I also understand and appreciate the fact that there are responsibilities. And, and again, when we're born into it, and, and we don't have to appropriate this oath into our life, It's so easy to take that for granted, but understand that being a citizen of the United States of America requires this, that we support and defend the Constitution and laws of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same That I will bear arms on behalf of the United States when required by the law, that I will perform non combatant service in the armed forces of the United States when required by the law. See, I have a responsibility to support and defend this great nation. I also have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to support and defend the nation, the kingdom of heaven. We have that responsibility that I will support and defend the governing documents of my kingdom. The governing documents of this great land of ours, the United States of America, is our constitution. The constitution of the kingdom of heaven is found in Genesis to Revelation. And I will support I will live my life in such a way. I will let my light so shine in such a way that they see my good works and it glorifies my Father who is in heaven. I will live in such a way that I will support and defend the governing documents of the kingdom of heaven. This is the reason why I challenge you, I encourage you to live a life of, of personal holiness. I, I I find great comfort in the reality that the life that I live, this, this relationship with God, that it, 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 it doesn't entrap me in legalism. And that God is not about a bunch of rules and regulations. I, I, I balance that with the understanding that as, as the Apostle Paul said, that everything is permissible, but some things just aren't beneficial. Everything is permissible, but but some things if we allow into our life, they, they can dominate us. They can, they can direct us. And and if left unchecked, they can why they can defeat us. See, I'm I'm not I'm not bound by a bunch of rules and regulations, but but I understand there's a, a citizen of the kingdom of heaven that that I have this responsibility to, to live my life in, in such a way. I referred to the scripture a few weeks ago. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives a prize? Run in such a way as to receive that prize. And so here's what I find. I find, as a citizen of the United States of America, that there are times that I voluntarily limit my liberties. And why do I do that? I do that for the sake of those around me. Even more so, as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, there are times that I voluntarily limit my liberties. Why? I do it because I have this responsibility to the people around me. And it would be very easy as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, it would be very easy to, number one, to take that citizenship for granted. You know why? Because I didn't pay anything for it, although a high price was paid. It would also be very easy to use that issue of the citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. It would be so easy to use that and, and have it become a source of arrogance. A source of pride. A source of position. Let me explain to you why I should have a place of prominence. And yet, my attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but but humbled himself and, and took on the role of a servant. See, that's what... Paul wrote to the church at Philippians, and, and, and that word, it, it resonates with us today. Why? Because as a citizen, I have some mutual responsibility. You see, I have a responsibility for you. I have a responsibility for, for those around me, those who don't understand the, the, the benefit of citizenship yet. And so I have to support and defend, support and defend, support and defend. Because there's some, there is some corporate responsibility. You know what I find interesting? Is this, that I will bear arms on behalf of the United States when required by the law that I will bear arms on behalf of the United States when required by the law. I have brothers that have, that have served in active duty military. I have brothers that have served in times of war on foreign soil in defense of our great nation. My brothers served in Vietnam. My grandfather served in Korea my father served in World War II I know that seems odd that my grandfather served in Korea my father in World War II trust me it works (laughs) my my father volunteered my grandfather volunteered my brothers were drafted but no matter how their entry point came about, they served faithfully. They served honorably. Why? Because to be a citizen, you have this responsibility to support and defend, sometimes even bearing arms. I find this, I find that as a citizen in the kingdom of heaven that, that I'm part of a kingdom that is a glorious kingdom but it is consistently at war. And so I daily, I daily have to put on my protection, spiritual armor, Right. I take the shield of faith. I, I I wear the the helmet of salvation. By the way, I just as a side note, I, I appreciate the fact that in the spiritual armor that the helmet, that which protects the head, is salvation. That which protects the mind is salvation. My, my, my loins are girded with truth. I have the, the shield of the faith, right? I have all these different things. And then I have this, I have this offensive weapon, which is the sword of the spirit, let me say, this is, this is why, it's it's rare that I, will, that I will press this issue of being a, a Spirit-filled church, of being a Pentecostal church, of being a church that, that fully embraces all the gifts of the Spirit, which should be accompanied by the fruit of the Spirit. But God wants you to be a Spirit-empowered, dynamic soldier involved in a kingdom battle that has eternal outcome. And the word of God says that we are to bear arms. Th- this is the reason why. Let me say this. This is the reason why God's word is so true when it says that we should not forsake the gathering together of the brethren. As some are in the habit of doing, even more as you see the return of God close at hand. And so I, I have this, I have these tools or these weapons, right? The weapons of our warfare, they're not, they're not carnal, they're not natural, they're not physical, but they are mighty. So I recognize these, these weapons that God has given me, right? The sword of the spirit. I, I, I find incredible power when I put myself in a posture of prayer. And, and being a part of a kingdom that that is at war, that is in this great epic, this cosmic battle. Here's what I find. I find this, that, that I have to engage. I have to engage. This is, this is why it's so very important that I have a, a time of, of daily worship. Why? Because the name of Jesus all the demons of hell have to flee. There's something powerful that happens when a man of God or a woman of God embraces, embraces worship. This is why I find it that it's imperative that, that we spend time daily in the word of God. And that we bow a knee and we spend time in prayer, that we spend time talking to God, that we spend time listening to God. Why? Because these are, these are the weapons that God has given us in, in, in the battle for this great kingdom to which he has called us. And our citizenship oath, it calls us to do this. It, it commands us to do this it demands that we do it and so i i i must understand appreciate accept this responsibility that i have as a pastor i pray for you every day not always let me be honest not always by name but if you count Calvary as your church home you are prayed for every day oftentimes many of you by name here's what I can tell you that connection card in your bulletin every week if you write a prayer request in that card you are prayed for by name in fact I, 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 I want I want you to help me. How many of you here that you've written a prayer request on that connection card and you've gotten a phone call or an email from a member of the team that has said we've prayed for you? Raise your hand. Okay, I want you to look around. See, this is, this is what we do as a church family. Every Tuesday, we take those prayer requests. And at the end of our devotional time, we have staff devotions on Tuesday, we'll pass them out. And, and each, people, each person gets a few cards. Okay. If I get your card, I pray for you. I pray for you by name. Okay. If your phone number or your email address is on there, I will as soon as I get done praying for you, I will send you a quick email to let you know that I'm praying for you and share with you specifically how I prayed for your prayer request. Why? Because we have this corporate responsibility, and the Word of God says this. It says, bear one another's burdens, and when you do that, you fulfill the law of Christ. Where two or more agree on anything, it shall be done. So, I will bear arms on behalf of my country, of this great kingdom, when it's necessary. I love the end of this, the end of the citizenship oath. It says this, and that I will perform work of national importance under civil direction when required by the law, and that I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, so help me God. That I will perform work of national importance. Peter said this, he says this, that we're we're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Why? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. See, you have a reason for being. And here's what I find. I find that far too many people live an unfulfilled life because we chase after the wrong thing. We look for satisfaction in stuff. We look for fulfillment in career. We try to find happiness in these temporary relationships. And what happens is, though career can give us some identity those stuff can bring some comfort and relationship can help fill the void in our life there is this god shaped vacuum that only jesus christ can fill and we look for all kinds of other things to put into that but but nothing else works and so, having that understanding, having that realization, I, I, I appreciate the fact that not only do I have relationship opportunity with God, but also that Ephesians 2 ring so true when it says this, that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has prepared in advance for us to do. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has prepared in advance for us to do. Now, here's what I appreciate about that. When I look at the word of God, here's what I find. I find this, that God spoke and it was. That God spoke and it was. Right? God spoke and And the heavens and the earth were created. God spoke. Day was separated from night. God spoke and the beasts of the field and the birds of the air came into existence. He spoke and it was. God spoke all these things into existence. What can I add to God's creation? The simple truth is this. I can add nothing to God's creation. In fact, without God's presence in my life, without God's help, I can accomplish absolutely nothing. I love the fact that with God all things are possible, but without him, there's nothing that I can do. And yet, the word of God says that I am his, not just me, but that you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has prepared in advance for you to do. Well, if God spoke and it was... Here's the conclusion that I come to. God does not need me to do anything. God doesn't need you to do anything. So if God doesn't need me to do something, and yet he has written on the scroll of his will for me to do things, there must be a reason for that, don't you think? And it's not because God needs you to do something It's because he understands that these things that he has before the foundation of the world determined that you are to do, that he provides that as opportunity for your growth, that he provides that as opportunity for your benefit, that it's a conduit by which he blesses you. And it's an important part of citizenship. I hereby declare on oath that I absolutely and entirely renounce and abjure all allegiance and fidelity to any foreign prince, potentate, state, or sovereignty of whom or which I have heretofore been a subject or citizen. And I will support and defend the constitution and laws of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same. That I will bear arms on behalf of the United States when required by the law. That I will perform non-combatant service in the armed forces of the United States when required by the law. That I will perform work of national importance under civil direction when required by the law. And that I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion. So help me, God. If you're here and you were born a citizen of the United States of America, I would challenge you as a statement of affirmation to make that declaration. I believe it's important that you do so. Let me tell you what I think is far more important. I hereby declare on oath that I absolutely and entirely renounce and abjure all allegiance and fidelity to any foreign prince, potentate, state, or sovereignty. Anything that separates me from God, of whom or which I have heretofore been subjected to or a citizen of, and that I will support and defend the word of God, against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same. That I will engage in spiritual warfare on behalf of the kingdom of God. That I will allow myself to be placed in service in the army of the kingdom of God. And that I will perform works of eternal importance under spiritual direction when opportunity arises and that I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion so help me god if you're here this morning and you have you have yet to make a declaration that you desire to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven with all of the rights and all of the responsibilities I challenge you to do so now. Now, I know this. I know that there are some of you that you're sitting here today and you say this. Well, I've been a Christian my entire life. Mm, No, you haven't. Let me help you. You've been a churchgoer your entire life. I'm going to say that again. I've been a Christian my entire life. I've always been saved. No, you haven't. You've been a churchgoer your entire life. Because here's what the Word of God says. Are you ready? For there is none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And for the wages of sin is death. But God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for our sins. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, I've always been a Christian. No, you haven't. You've always been a sinner. Let me help you. You ready? Let me give that to you again. You have not always been a Christian. You've always been a sinner. Whether you're a churchgoer or not, you've always been a sinner. Okay. You're in church. You're surrounded by sinners. Okay. All around you are sinners. There are some Christ followers around you as well. They're still sinners, they're just sinners that they've accepted the price that's paid for their sin. But you've always been a sinner, you have not always been a Christian. You've not always been a Christ follower. See, it doesn't happen until you take the citizenship oath. See, just because someone comes to America, just because someone moves to America... It does not make them a citizen. Oh, I understand the laws of our land that if you're born here, you're, a, you're, you're born into citizenship. God in his sovereignty determined that his kingdom would not work that way. It requires you to take a citizenship oath. I think that's the significance of communion because communion puts us in a place where we have to acknowledge the price that's paid for freedom, right? It is for freedom that Christ set us free. How did he set us free? He set us free by paying the price for our sin in his death on the cross. And he demonstrated the power of God and his sovereignty in his resurrection from the dead. And so he's given us this act of remembrance. And the word of God tells us that when we eat the bread and we drink the cup, that we should not do so lightly. In fact, it says this, that, that when we do so, we, we should examine ourselves. And may, maybe revisit the statement, I, I hereby declare under oath that I absolutely and entirely That I absolutely and entirely, I I give myself to you, O God. Right? I, I I reject these things. I, I repudiate or I, I abjure these things. any allegiance, any fidelity or any connection to these these things of the world. And God, I, I give myself as I am, such as I am to you.